It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal. And Bill, it seems like every time we're doing this uh, lately, the Red Sox have chipped another game off the wild card um, lead. They're down to five and a half, uh, five and a half as of uh, Tuesday morning when we are recording this. Uh, so I think we're going to have to put off our uh, post-mortem obituary edition maybe a little bit longer. Again, I don't think it's likely, but you know they are sort of trending in the right direction after a 6-2 and two road trip out west. Uh, Bill, our faithful listeners know that uh, it's been since mid-August that uh, you've wanted to close that, that back cover of the book. Just get it over with. And uh, write the eulogy on the 2019 Red Sox season. Uh, I know a lot of fans share that feeling as well. If you go on social media, it's, I quit on this team a long time ago, yeah. bring on the Patriots. Uh, there's a lot of similar sentiment out there, but I think the players might disagree. I think Alex Cora might disagree. Still 25 games left uh, and still as you said a, a sliver of a playoff hope here yeah you know a six and two road trip out west really uh, helped the cause um, again it's tough when you've got three teams ahead of you and you need them to cooperate and, and lose key games while you win but you're sort of doing your part here and it's uh, September 2nd to, uh, September 3rd today rather and uh, it's Tuesday but it feels like Monday it's, it does it does uh, and, you know, the leaves are going to start to uh, change soon, and our thoughts are switching to football. But uh, you're right, the Red Sox aren't giving up on this season quite yet. And, uh, you know, realistically, you've got 25 games to play, and uh, larger leads have been lost in 25 games. Uh, Red Sox fans would be quick to remind you of that. Uh, you know, certainly Red Sox fans of a, of a certain vintage. Uh, <laughs> you go back to the 78 team, that's uh, the one that comes up all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jerry Remy, famously bitter over that 78 team, uh, his popular sort of saying or, or phrase is, we won 99 games and we're a bunch of bums. Right. Uh, you know, because... <laughs> Obviously, they didn't get into the the postseason, losing the one-game playoff with the Yankees. They had a 14-game lead uh, in July that was whittled down. Uh, Now, obviously, that being in July, you have a lot more time to cut into it. Uh, And that's why when the Red Sox lost eight games in a row at the end of July and the start of August, the temptation was to declare this over because time was growing short. And it's grown even shorter now. Well, you know, I think what's impressive here about this recent uh, little run and the fact that they're still kind of bobbing in the uh, bobbing and weaving in the uh, in the uh, race is that, um, you know, they're they're a little bit banged up. Uh, they ha- they don't obviously have Chris Sale. David Price finally c- uh, came back and gave them a couple of innings uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, you know they're finding a way to to score runs, and one of the reasons they're doing that is because Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers have, have still been uh, just tearing the cover off the ball. And Bogarts, in particular, we should probably make note of, uh, became the first Red Sox shortstop since Nomar Gossiapara to hit 30 home runs uh, in what is really a career year, a fantastic year for him. I, I think that it's, it's sort of getting underplayed because of the performance of the team overall. But uh, this is really a season for, for the ages for Bogarts. Yeah, we've spoken about it a lot, the fact that you know, he signs a big contract before the year and what is that going to do to a player? You know, We've seen some other guys sort of go into 
a little bit of a shell or press and think that they need to do even more. Uh, if anything, it seems to have made him more comfortable. Uh, he's taken on a leadership role this year. He's certainly proven capable of hitting in the middle of the lineup. Uh, last year, set a new career high for home runs with 23. He's blown that away this season. Uh, by far his best statistical year as a pro. If you're a Red Sox fan, you look and you think well, he's only 26. You know, great days to come. Sure. Uh, great days that he's having right now. Um, you know, and also I, I think you look at August in particular and you look at what J.D. Martinez has done over the yeah, last month. He's yeah. really caught fire we'll at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think I had, a, I had a friend say to me over the weekend, you, know, you look at the top four, five, six guys in this lineup and what they've done over the course of the year. Uh, you got Mookie Betts on track for 140 runs. Uh, Devers and Bogarts, the way they've emerged. Martinez, his numbers at the end are going to be really good, you know, based on what he did in August, if he can carry that into September. Ben Intendi seems to have found a role a, a comfortable spot in the fifth hole. Right. Um, you're going to look and you're going to see the top of this lineup. Christian Vasquez as well is having a career year. If they do end up missing the playoffs, it's going to be a shame because a lot of those efforts are going to go to waste. Well, it'll be the pitching, really, and, and it's, it's something we've been talking about and, and critical of all season long. I mean, the, the offense really has, has, has carried them, and the pitching really has been a huge disappointment. Uh, and speaking of pitching, let's, let's – uh, and we touched upon David Price a little bit, but, you know, he, he pitched uh, – I want to say Sunday – Sunday, correct. It was, it was his first start uh, since uh, in a month back from uh, his elbow inflammation, uh, his uh, wrist uh, cyst, right? Right. And um, you know, forty-five pitches, and I think that was a little um, disappointing because I think the Red Sox had said that they were expecting to get closer to eighty. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it was just uh, maybe he was feeling something, or maybe they just they wanted to take it easy with him. Uh, but you're going to need you're going to need David Price, especially without Chris Sale in the rotation here for the for the rest of the month. You're going to need David Price to sort of look like the David Price of old. I think it was two things. First, you you have a cautious manager. Alex Cora has been a, a pretty cautious manager. Uh, over the course of his almost two years now in Boston, um, any sort of ache or pain or someone coming back off the IL, he generally errs on the side of caution. Yeah. He'll either keep the player out the next day or keep a pitch count short or whatever it may be. Uh, I think it's also in, an acknowledgement of reality here, the fact that they don't have many starting pitchers right now, and they can't have a setback here from David Price. That that stretch of off days that they had, you know, that seemed to be so frequent. It was like they were on a Monday, Friday, you know, right. four day weekend <laughs> yeah. schedule there right. for a while. Uh, that's going to go away here in September, and so you have Rick Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Evaldi, who's getting closer to being fully stretched out, mm-hmm. and David Price, who. You know, sort of at the start of that journey, uh, his next time out, you'd probably hope to get five innings out of him. Uh, expanded rosters allow you to go into the bullpen a little bit more, but it's not necessarily something that you want to do. Uh, you're already sort of committed to doing it every fifth day. You don't really have another starter. Right. You could have Brian Johnson out there for four or five innings if you really want to, uh, but he's really the only other guy who's who stretched out, who's made semi-regular starts for you uh, so I think that's that's more an acknowledgement of you know not wanting to push price too too far mm-hmm. um, I would imagine that you might see a little bit more of that in his next start uh, but I think it's it's just looking at the reality of the situation uh, they're starting pitching all year hasn't really been good 
uh, and now they're injured on top of it. And, and so I think it just sort of, you know, it's sort of a nod to that and, and the realization that they still have another month to get through. And, you know, if by some miracle they make it to October, they're going to need these guys for then as well. You know, what a difference a year makes. You know, a year ago, you you exp- obviously you expand the rosters every year. Um, you, know, you had such a big lead. It was a chance to give some veterans a, a rest and, and some position players a rest. This year is different, Bill, because you're still sort of in it and you're still playing meaningful games. And it's, I'm sure it's going to be sort of challenging for Alex Cora to figure out, well, okay, when do I sort of throw the, the Paw Sox guys in there right. because I'm still trying to win these games. Right. Uh, you know, and if in the unlikely event that you actually do get into the wild card uh, game, then, you know, you don't want a bunch of gassed ball players because you've ridden them hard for the last month of the season. So, right. you know, it's it's a it's a different deal for Cora this year because, um, you know, because of where you are in the standings. No, no question. Last year you had, you know, basically you were going to make the playoffs from like July on. Yeah. Oh, my God. From, from really? July 4th you were going to make the playoffs. I, I right? mean, you were looking at it and you were thinking. Right. It was just a matter of how many games you're going to win. Are you going to win the division and all that? They, they just had such a massive lead in the wild card. Yeah. I, you know, at one point, I want to say there was something like 86 and 36. Like it was, yeah, it was you nuts. know, 50 games over in August. Right. And, and you're thinking, okay, they've already got the wild card. You, you obviously want to win the division. You want to be in the ALDS. Mm-hmm. You want to have home field and, and all that good stuff. So they did enough to do that. Uh, you know, the, the four-game sweep of the Yankees, I think, going into August pretty much sewed up the AL mm-hmm. East. In, in my mind, anyway, I, I thought that it was over uh, after that weekend. You're up nine and a half games, right. and it's you know, you're pretty comfortable yeah. from there. Um, and so you look at over the last month, and you had – Chris Sale on and off the IL. You had Eduardo Rodriguez effectively shut down. He didn't really play a role right. in the playoffs. Uh, you had Evaldi brought in via trade. Porcello was having a decent year. Um, you know those guys were were sort of your starters, and and you just you kind of went ahead uh, and went forward, and and you know you were able to scale them back and give the position guys days off and make sure that they were sharp as well. Uh, this is probably much more typical of what most Major League Baseball teams face right. going into September is you know, you're going to have to ride the studs. And I think the games that you have that maybe end up non-competitive, whether mm. you're way ahead or way behind, that's when you see the roster expansion come in. You're going to see some of these pitchers who you brought up, maybe some of these guys off the bench. You're going to try to get some of the regulars off their feet uh, you know, and save them to either battle for another day or I just have them rest and, and enjoy a comfortable victory. So let's just uh, take a quick look at some of the guys they brought up here. Um, Velasquez is back with the team. Lakins is back with the team. Gorkas Hernandez, a uh, veteran uh, outfielder, is, is, is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sam Travis, who's you know has been with the team on and off for the for most of the year. Yep. Uh, no Rusne Castillo, Bill. <laughs> uh, no, no, that would put them over the third right. threshold of the competitive balance tax. They are yeah. not going to do that. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, s- some decent players, but nobody who's going to. I don't think there's any hot prospects you're you're looking at uh, th- in this uh, this class. No, the closest thing would be to that is if they uh, eventually if they activate Michael Chavis off the IL. Yeah. Uh, you know, he experienced some some soreness in his side right. uh, at Pawtucket. Um, he was trying to rehab a left shoulder injury. He was supposed to be evaluated at Fenway Park on Monday. I assume we're going to get an update on him uh, later today. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and the other guys, you know, the the sort of prospect guys, are already there. 
You're right. looking at Darwin's and Hernandez, right, who's been there for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Taylor, who's emerged as a big part of that bullpen. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone who's thrown some critical innings for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys that they've called up, Gorky Hernandez is sort of a journeyman, fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder. Uh, you know, might be able to take J.D. Martinez off his feet if he starts a game in right field against mm-hmm. a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Juan Centeno is a third catcher. Um, you know, guy who could give Christian Vasquez a blow every once in a while, maybe. The pitchers, you've seen them all before, whether it's Travis Lakins or Hector Velasquez um, or uh, who else? Who else did they bring up? Um, it was Velasquez, Velasquez, Lakins. Oh, Lake, Ryan Weber. And Weber, right. Ryan Weber. Right. Who, who's, uh, who's spent plenty of time who's up there. Who's been there right. as well. Um, you know, so those guys, you know, Lakins is probably a multi-inning guy. Mm-hmm. Weber was a starter, can give you you know, three, four innings in a game. Mm-hmm. Velasquez as well can probably give you two or three innings. Another guy in that group was Julie Chassin. Who they just picked up. Who they just picked up, who was released by the Brewers uh, in August. He made 19 starts for them, had a 5.79 ERA. Uh, he's the type of guy that you might see eat innings, uh, you know, whether they're up eight or down eight. Right. You know, in the fifth or sixth inning, you might see him out there trying to give the bullpen a rest. Uh, who knows? You might see him make a spot start here at sure. some point. Sure. Uh, you know, if they're in a, a run of games where they play 14 in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple names who you might have expected to see, uh, but you probably won't. Tanner Houck is one right-handed mm. pitcher. Uh, they're going to send him to the Arizona Fall League, and he's going to start there. Yep. Uh, he was working in relief out of the bullpen in Pawtucket at the end of the season. Uh, and Bobby Dalbeck, uh, who was brought up to Pawtucket from Portland at the end of the year, uh, he was... Portland's team MVP. Uh, last year, he was the Carolina League MVP uh, at Class A. So he's had two really good seasons in a row uh, in the minors. I don't expect him to get a call up because you look at the Red Sox roster and you think, well, where's the playing time for him? Right. You're going to play Sam Travis against left-handed pitching. Mitch Moreland is going to play first base. Otherwise, right. Michael Chavis would be ahead of him. Uh, you've also seen Christian Vasquez make some starts at first base. Uh, Dahlbeck is not going to play third base. He's not going to play over Devers. Mm. He's not going to be the DH over J.D. Martinez. So do you really want to start his service time clock and have him sit on the bench for right. 25 games? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Or would you want to send him home? after another good year mm-hmm. and say congratulations yeah. you've had a great year get ready for next go season. home on a high note and you know yeah. or do you send him to the fall league and yeah. you say you know hey let's continue to work on what you've done throughout the year because what you've done is is really good you've mm-hmm. cut down your strikeout rate you've raised your walk rate your power still plays um you know he's really developed into a guy who they think highly of within the organization. Uh, you know, just because he is not getting a call up here in September, I don't think that means that they're sour on him in any way. I, I just think it acknowledges the reality that you know there's a little bit of a logjam at, at the positions that he would play. Um, so let's take a look a little bit ahead here at the Red Sox schedule. Um, They've got uh, the home run bashing Minnesota Twins coming into town uh, tonight yes. for uh, four games, three, three games. games, three games. Yep. Uh, and with uh, Rhode Island's own Rocco Baldelli at, at the helm, boy, the Twins are quite the story this year, right? I mean, they, they are. are they are firmly in grasp of the uh, AL Central. I think they're up by like six games. 
uh, Rocco's first year as a as a manager, and uh, yeah, they're up by six on Cleveland in the loss column. In the loss column, right, right. now, and and uh, they've hit a few home runs this year too, Bill. Holy cow! Uh, you're not kidding. They they come into tonight having already broken the major league record in a season for home runs, and then we got a month to play, and we got a month to play. They have 25 games left. They've hit 269 home runs. Uh, the major league record was set just last year by the Yankees. The true Bronx Bombers, as we called them at the time, uh, Minnesota has 11 different players who have double-digit home runs. Uh, it's it's really a, an embarrassment of riches. You look <laughs> at the lineup for you fantasy players out there, Bill Corey, I know you're one of them. Yeah. Uh, you look at guys like Max Kepler, Nelson Cruz, they're having career years. Uh, Mitch Garver has 26 home runs out of the catcher spot. Uh, Miguel Sano has 26 home runs from third base. Uh, you know, just a, a lineup of mashers mm. there. Um, you know, who can really ruin your day in, in a three-game series? Yeah. And, and this is going to be a real test for the Red Sox pitching staff, uh, starting with Rick Porcello on Tuesday night. He threw a really good game against them in Minnesota. I think it was seven scoreless on two hits. Uh, you know, really controlled the Twins in a, in a win there. Yep. Um, the Red Sox took two out of three at Minnesota earlier this year. That was in June. Played a really good series. The only game they lost, I think, was in 17 innings, I want to say. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, really, really late one, which you know ended up with Hector Velasquez in the game, you know, throwing the last four or five innings. He was the last man standing. Um, you know, but the Sox played very well in those three games. Uh, you know, I thought they were pretty solid. And, you know, that was at one of those points in the season, Bill, where we were looking for a reason to sort of get behind them. We were looking for that turning point series. Right. We were saying... And we thought maybe that could have been it. You know, this yeah. could be it. Yeah. The Twins are off to a great start. They have the best record in the American League. Right. You know, this is where the Red Sox sort of take off. And here we are in the first week of September. We're still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, well... And they had a good series, as you mentioned. But, yeah, it just... Uh it's been a strange season, Bill, because you know they they have they have shown flashes of the team they were last year, and there were times when I thought, I'm sure other Red Sox fans thought, this is it. This is where they turn around. This is where they put things together. Right. They're going to stop playing like they they played last year, and they just weren't for whatever reason able to sustain any of that momentum. They they would have really heartbreaking and disappointing losses, and and just never get on the kind of run that they needed to get on. And now, as as we've detailed here earlier you know they're down to 25 games they've got three teams uh ahead of them in the wild card um uh so you know it's they really need to go on a a run where they're playing you know 25 games left so you need you figure you know are they going to go 20 and (laughs) 5 you know probably not probably what they need right but they need to sort of come close to that right because you you figure these other teams aren't just going to go on these long losing streaks uh, and so you, so even if they play 500, you need to you need to be much better than that. So, uh, moving forward here, uh, in terms of the schedule, so they've got uh, obviously they've got the uh, the Twins this week, and then they've got the Yankees coming to town. Um, you know, it's weird. Uh, every win helps, but you, you know you're not going to catch the Yankees, obviously, no, for the no, division. No, no. Uh, no, no. So you know you just need to win ball games and hope that Tampa Bay and Oakland loses games. Um, and unfortunately, you only see one of those teams for the rest of the year, I think. It's just Tampa Bay. Correct. Uh, so you don't have much of a chance to sort of control your own destiny, so to speak, by beating the teams you need to beat. Because uh, in September, uh, unless unless I'm missing something, I think they're only playing Tampa Bay no, ter- right. ter- in terms of the teams ahead of them. Obviously, 
obviously the Yankees are ahead of them, but the, the division is lost essentially. So no, you've been you've been done with Oakland for a long time. Yep. Uh, you finished up with Cleveland a couple weeks ago, that three game series out there right. at Progressive Field. You have four games with Tampa. I believe it's starting on September twentieth. Uh, those will be a Tropicana field, and and you know when you play those, uh, depending on this upcoming stretch, three with the Twins, four with the Yankees, three with Toronto, two with the Phillies. Uh, then you're back home for the Giants, I believe. Yeah, that, that should be a fun uh, series. Mike yeah. Yastrzemski will be here. Yeah. Uh, Carl Yastrzemski is is planning on attending at least one of those games. That'll be a, a for only for only an inning or two, I'm sure. Well, you, <laughs> you know, Yaz can't be bothered to stay for the whole game. That that'll be a fun sort of. <laughs> sidebar to, to that series All right uh, and then you go to Tampa for four and yep. uh, you know that's going to be y- you hope at the very least that by September 20th that those will still be critical games you you sure. hope that those will still mean something that's the goal for the Red Sox uh, but like you said you know we've been talking about the math pretty continuously on this podcast um, you're looking at a stretch where you get 25 games if you play 20 and 5 baseball which is really good you still need those other teams to go 14 and 11, yeah. uh, which is a little bit below the standard that they've set to this point. Sure. Um, you know, if they go 16 and 9 or 17 and 8 or something like that, they're effectively going to close you out. Mm. Um, you know, and that's the notion of time and, and the thinking that time is growing short on this team. That's why we've talked about it, you know, probably over the last month or a month and a half, mm-hmm. it becomes more pronounced as the games get less and less. And, and I know we, we touched upon this the, the last time we talked, but boy, it would be such a disappointment. And it, it looks like it's, this is what the reality will be, but it will be such a disappointment if they miss the playoffs, because as we've said, you know, this is a team loaded with young stars. This was not a team that they threw together with free agents for a sort of a one-and-done ride. After last season, uh, you know, you got the sense that this team should be around for a while, compete for a while, be able to get into the postseason for years to come. You've got young stars like Bogarts and and uh, and Betts and Devers. And you had a pitching staff that I think you felt pretty good about going into the year. With sale and price at the top of the rotation, you know, you, you I think you're always uh, encouraged, or um, you know, you have high hopes for Erod because of his stuff. Uh, you know, Porcello had a decent year last year, so you're thinking, well, he's a veteran, maybe he'll you know just have another decent year. That didn't happen. Sure, um, but you know, the bullpen troubles, the starting pitching troubles, it really unraveled what could have been, should have been. A, another strong season. And again, you know, we're talking about this, Bill, and we have a sort of a first world problem. It's not like they're they're a losing team. They're well above 500 here. Right. But, you know, to win the World Series and win 108 games and then not make the playoffs the next season with essentially the same roster is hugely disappointing. Well, I'm not certain who said this, and, and maybe one of our podcast listeners will tweet at us uh, or perhaps email us. Uh, Comparison is the thief of joy, uh, <laughs> as, as the old saying goes. Yeah. Uh, you're Comparing this Red Sox season to last season, uh, right? It's a fair comparison because it's the it, same team. It is, uh, yeah. you know, and as we found over the course of five months, uh, it, it was probably never going to be that good again. No, uh, they've never been that good before. No, no. Um, you know, you add on to that that uh, you're you're comparing 
what they've spent on this roster compared to what other teams have spent. Right. Uh, you know, and you're looking and you're saying, you know, 240 million should buy more than this. Sure. It should be more than 11 games over 500 uh, on September 3rd. It should not be a team that misses the playoffs. Uh, all those things are fair. Uh, you know, I would look at this team and I would say that, you know, it, Probably, and, and we'll save this for the autopsy edition, but the the biggest area of underperformance compared to your investment has been the starting rotation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. you've locked up these guys long term, whether it's David Price, who opted into his last four years. Uh, he's been on the injured list twice here. Uh, when he has pitched, he's actually been pretty good. Uh, but you haven't gotten a full season out of him. Right. Uh, Chris Sale, who starts his five-year extension next year, has really struggled. Uh, you know He's going to have the worst ERA of his career. He ends the season hurt. Uh, Nathan Avaldi only made a handful of starts at, at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. Uh, Rick Porcello's having the worst season of his career by ERA. Really, the only guy who you can look at and say this guy performed to or above expectations is Eduardo Rodriguez, right. who's been a workhorse for them, uh, you know, and who's actually shown growth in terms of going deeper into games, being more consistent, not having that sort of blow-up start where he's out in three and a third and has thrown 110 pitches. Uh, you know, he's cleaned <laughs> a lot of that up and has made a nice evolution as as a guy who is getting into his later 20s. Um, you know, certainly somebody who you can feel good about going forward. The biggest disappointment there, Bill, obviously, is you know not only what they invested in these guys, but how much longer they're tied to these guys. Uh, you look at, aside from Porcello, you have each of those four other pitchers under control for each, each of the next two seasons. Right, right. Um, you know, so you're thinking this is sort of going to be the group, you know, mm. barring a big splash trade or, or something very creative. This is going to be the group. Uh so you're looking at them this season and you're thinking how much or if they can improve right. going into next season. And I think it's only natural at this point, based on what we've seen over the last five months, to sort of take the pessimistic view and say you could have a couple guys here who are on the downside now. Mm. You know, whether it's Price, who's getting into his mid 30s, uh, or Sale, who everyone has looked at his entire career and said, well, his mechanics and his arm, and it's only a matter of time before his body breaks down. Are we starting to see that now? You know, as he turns 30, um, you know, you're looking at Nathan Avaldi and you're thinking, this guy's had two Tommy John surgeries already. Is he another guy who's going to break down and always be on the IL? Um, so losing sort of exposes all that. Comparing this to last season and comparing this to what other teams have spent sort of exposes all that. It heightens those criticisms, and that's how we find ourselves where we are right now. Well, as you know, uh, spending uh, the most money doesn't guarantee anything, but uh, at the very least, you, it comes with expectations. Mm -hmm. And one of the expectations is that you at least are playing into October, Correct. and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So that, again, it's hugely disappointing. But but we are really building up this this. Uh, uh, obituary edition of the Twin Bills. I hope it lives up to the... Uh, it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> whenever that is, it's probably two weeks away. I th I'm going to say it's two weeks away. You know, if, if they uh, if they tread water for another week or so, I don't think we can we can officially rule them out. But if they're still basically five games out two weeks from now, it's, it's pretty much done. So uh, so before we wrap up the, uh, the Twin Bills this week, uh, Bill, I want to touch upon the Pawtucket Red Sox, who finished their season last night at McCoy Stadium. Yeah. Uh, not a very good year for the Paw Sox. They went 59 and 81. They finished last in the uh, International League North Division. Yep. Um, but uh, more importantly, it is the penultimate season, as, as we uh, journalists or headline writers like to say. <laughs> uh, 
Yes. Uh, for the Paw Sox that's, in, that's, in uh, Pawtucket. That's next to last. That's next to last, if you're wondering. Right. You're next to last. Yes. So they uh, are under contract for one more year uh, in Pawtucket uh, before they uh, open up uh, a new stadium called Polar Park out in Worcester. Uh, so uh, the attendance uh, last night, I believe, was around 5,000. Now, the Paw Sox have um, not had the good fortune of, of good weather this year. They had something like... I think they had seven home run outs. Uh, yeah, I think they want. I, I want to say they had like eleven overall or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah. It, and but yeah, seven home rain outs. Uh, and you know, it would be inter- It's going to be interesting for me to see next year because obviously there is, you know, the Paw Sox are one of those issues in Rhode Island. It's it's like uh, you know, it's like the presidential race. You either, you know, you you have a strong feeling about one person or the other person, and you maybe don't tolerate the other person's views as much. Mm. You know, on one hand, you've got people who say, you know, but baseball is dying. We don't want to sub, uh, subsidize uh, public stadiums. And as much as uh, I like the the Pataka Red Sox, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to spend tax money on helping them build the stadium. So you know, sorry to see you go, but but there you know, there's the exit to Worcester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the other side who feel like uh, it is such a Rhode Island institution. It brings people into the state. It brings people uh, to spend money into the state. That the uh, the project was not only to play baseball, but sort of the anchor of a of a development district in in Pawtucket. Um, obviously, it would have been uh, it would have been backed by some public money and some public guarantees that that people were some people were um, uh, uneasy about. Um, but I think, and you can count me, and I think you in the group that feels it will be a shame when the Pataka Red Sox are no longer a Rhode Island institution. I've said from the start that I don't think people are going to realize what a shame this is until after it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where, let's say you you have a great relationship with somebody, and you know, at the time when it sort of runs its course and gets near the end, you think, you know, this can't really continue. We shouldn't go on. It's probably time to end this. Right. You know, and maybe it's only natural to think a little later. You know, geez, that was that was a pretty good thing. Maybe we could have worked <laughs> on a couple things. Maybe could. Yeah. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I was going to say, from, is this uh, is this for, the uh, for those who might are be you opening up the uh, Bill Koch this diary here is, for not, us? It's not my TED talk. I, I haven't had anything <laughs> to drink yet today. Otherwise, it'd be flowing out. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the after the podcast version, ah, yes. Bill Corey, okay. uh, as you know. Um, that's but the, I that's the Twin Bills on Sensor. That's correct. The Twin Bills sponsored by Murphy's, right. uh, our neighbors across the street, right? Uh, faithfully executed by whoever. Um, but no, I I always felt like it was going to be one of those things that uh, you know you would look back at and you would say, man, you know, we really had a good thing there, and, and certainly there could have been a deal reached. Uh, if there was enough creativity and enough initiative on all sides. Yeah. Um, I think that there were mistakes made along the way by the team, um, certainly by state leadership uh, in government, um, you know, and, and all of those things sort of compounded. It's like if you ever read, uh, you ever read anything about a plane crash, it's not one mistake that crashes the plane. It's a series of mistakes right. that crashes the plane. Um, and I think it's a series of mistakes that have allowed the Paw Sox to get to the point where 
they're going to leave after 2020 and, and go to Worcester and play in this gleaming new stadium at the heart of this development district. Um, you still have, you know, I, I sort of got engaged on social media last night with, with a few people, and you, know, you still have just so much misinformation out there, right. uh, you know, about what the deal was going to be and how it was going to be executed and how much was being spent. And, you know, I just think that you go back to 38 Studios before that and how much that poisoned the well. Sure. Yeah, that did not help. Uh, you know, the initial offer by the team when they were discussing a stadium in Providence. Yeah. Um, which is non-existent now, uh, but that wouldn't have been a good deal for the state. I, I fully believe that, that that would have been a mistake. Uh, this modified version that would have kept the team in Pawtucket, uh, that would have taken over the old Apex site, certainly looked like a good deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had team owners pledging $45 million to spend uh, at minimum. Show me a development project in Pawtucket where folks are going to spend $45 million. Hasn't seen one in a long time. Right. Um, now, granted, the state's going to kick in some bonds, and, and so is the city, but is it worth the cost to redevelop that site? You and I drive by it every day. Mm. What's going on there? Nothing. It's been vacant right. for however many years. You know, mm-hmm. This was a chance yeah. to spark something, to provide an anchor, to say... We're staying here. Build around us. Uh, you know, I had a couple folks question the, the history of McCoy Stadium and why shouldn't they refurbish it? It's been the site of, you know, so many historic achievements. Well, so was Yankee Stadium. Mm. So was Bush Stadium. They'd outlived their usefulness. Uh, you know, they'd sort of gone past their expiration dates. And, you know, no ballpark had more history than Yankee Stadium. If you can bulldoze that to the ground and start over, then you can do that anywhere. Well, sure. And, and, the, and the deal with McCoy, too, is you know they, they recognized that the future for them wasn't just a ballpark. They, they recognized that the future for them was a ballpark as part of a district that could attract other development. And, I mean, you and I have been to McCoy many times, and we both know there's really no area around McCoy where, where you can develop. I mean, it's, it's, it's an old stadium stuck in the middle of a residential and commercial district. There isn't, you know, there isn't any room to grow there. You could you could refurbish and build a gem of a ballpark there, but it would still just be a ballpark in the middle of a residential and commercial district. And that and you know I think to their credit they recognized that wasn't really going to cut it. What you need going forward here is to make the ballpark one of several reasons why people want to go to that to that site. Right. Um, but you know at the risk of us just beating a beating a dead horse here, uh, what I'm hoping to what what I'm wondering is what do you think. What do you think the attendance next year at McCoy will be? Because it will be the last year. And I wonder if people will be a little bit more nostalgic about it, even if you were against sort of, you know, them staying because you didn't want the state to get involved and stuff. You know, I think people, hopefully people are going to realize, hey, this is our last chance to go to McCoy Stadium and see the Pawtucket Red Sox. Uh, and, I, and I just hope that they, they take that opportunity because as, as you and I both have said, you know, the state's going to miss them when they're gone. I, I think in a perfect world, that's exactly what will happen. Uh, you know, I look at attendance this year. They average just over 5,200 uh in the 2013 season, which isn't that long ago, mm. they were over 7,800. Yeah, um, you know, so that's you, you've cut your attendance by a third. Yeah, uh, in the span of six years, uh, you look at Saturday nights where they have fireworks every Saturday. Those will still sell. Mm. They do you very get, well on those nights. You get right. decent weather. Those nights will sell. And to their credit, they always have great marketing campaigns. I think yes. they they basically opened up the 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 park free for teenagers 16 and under. 
uh, kids 16 and under for the little last couple of home stands here. So, right. you know, they, they, they do their part to make it to make it uh, affordable. It's free parking. You know, we've, we've gone over this many times. You can you don't have to spend a fortune when you go to McCoy Stadium. No, I, I just, you know, the counter to that is I just think this has gotten so venomous. Uh, from the opposition side, the, mm. the sort of, you know, there's there's this great temptation to say, oh, well, screw them. You know, let them go to Worcester. Right. How dare they put their hand in my pocket and ask for taxpayer money? Mm. Um, and that's sort of an, an ugliness, I think, that's compounded from 38 Studios. And it's oh, no carried doubt. into this. No doubt. Uh, you know, and I think that, you know, just venturing into psychology a little bit, I, I think that folks being frustrated with state government and their inability to do things in a clean and efficient and productive fashion, it gets projected onto projects yeah. like this, you know, and, and sort of failures like this, you know, a sort of civic failure, mm. like being unable to retain the Paw Sox or build a new ballpark or, or do it in a fashion that people feel is above board and the best that you can do it. And, you know, you look at some other places and, and you watch them build stadiums or, or build downtown buildings. I mean, we've had an argument uh, about the 195 land in, in Fane Tower, which yeah. you can follow uh, on our news pages. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been going on for however many weeks and months and, you know, verging on years. A year, yeah. You know, you can't build a large residential and commercial structure in the middle of a city. Right. <laughs> which is pretty much made for residential and commercial structures. Right. You have pushback from that. You have, you know, millions and millions of dollars of outside investment that that's being offered mm-hmm. uh, that folks have no faith is going to be taken into, you know, good custody right. and executed right. well. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you you take that element and you add it into sports and into baseball, which a lot of people are not fans of, and there are a lot of people out there who are not sports right, fans. Right, and that's and that's the and other. they say this is even more wasteful. Right, right, and and that's the other side of it too. I mean, there there clearly are a lot of people who are not sports fans who don't really appreciate or value McCoy Stadium at all, and I, I get that. You know, I'm, there's a lot of people who aren't fans of Trinity Rep or PPAC either, and you know, um, but. Um, you know, I think I think hopefully next season that that people can put some of that aside and at least go out and and support the team in their last year before they. Go, I hope the same. before they go to the before they go to Worcester because, you know, uh, for you and I and we've talked about this many. You know, th- that place was uh, really uh, the home of a lot of great memories over the years. Um, you know, you got to see ball players up close. You had a great seat. Usually, no matter where you sat, you got to interact with the players. Uh, you know, get the ball signed, all that stuff. Um, you know, and and that's and it's it's that's that's going to be missed. I really think that's going to be missed. Yeah, agreed. So anyway, uh, not to uh, end on a downer here, but uh, but I, well, the, the ultimate downer is when we do the obituary uh, edition of the Twin Bills, and that's yeah. that's, that's coming. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you continue to count them out. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. Well, you know, it's a, pro, know, it's a prolonged. Tease, you know, I would folks. love. To, I would love to be wrong here. I would love to say, "Oh my God, they're going to go on a run, and we're going to get to the postseason and stuff." It's just they haven't done anything all year that, no. that that's, insti- that's instilled confidence that they're going to do that. But anyway, Bill, we are going to be here till the bitter end with the Red Sox before we uh, again. Turn- he forecasts a bitter end. <laughs> no, here. not a good end, but right. a bitter end. Well, no matter when the end comes, it'll be bitter Re- unless they win the World Series. And I don't. Uh, I'm going to go on record saying that's not going to happen yes but uh anyway uh we will do this again in a week um 
Bill, before uh, before all of our thoughts turn to football, uh, we have a few more weeks of baseball, and we'll see. We'll see if the Red Sox can uh, surprise us and and uh, you know maybe make a run and keep us interested. So anyway, thanks again for another uh, sterling edition of the Twin Bills, and we will do this in a week. Thanks, Bill.